The war against the arachnids is in full force. Mankind is united under a fascist banner to defend planet Earth from the alien menace. A rich kid from Buenos Aires named Johnny Rico joins up to follow his girlfriend and ends up becoming one of the mobile infantry's greatest heroes in the 1997 action sci-fi cult classic Starship Troopers. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Caleb Bajay. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome to the Filmgasm podcast. Today's episode comes from the heart. Starship Troopers has been one of my all-time favorites for as long as I can remember, and I am super excited to discuss it today. This is one of the first R-rated films I ever saw, and I saw all the blood and gore and violence, but my mom made me close my eyes during the nude scenes, which I find hilarious today. Um, This is a hyper-violent, crazy-ass war satire that has definitely become a beloved cult classic today, and I'm very happy about that. Um, Caleb, what's your history with this film? I saw it at a buddy's house when I was a kid. He was like, uh, it was one of those phones where they were like, oh, you haven't seen Starship Troopers? And I was like, no. And he had it, so we put it on, and I just fell in love with it since then. It's, uh, I remember my dad had like told me about Fear Section. This is one of the films my, even my dad likes. He's always talking about, like, oh, yeah, Starship Troopers, really good movie, and the bugs, and blah, blah, blah. And um, when I finally saw it, I was like, I totally get it. I get it. And um, it's been something that I've watched usually with buddies. I think this was actually probably the first time I just kind of watched it by myself for the podcast because, you know, Josh is out to see right now. So it's just like this has always been like a fun movie that I love going to, especially watching with a group of pals. It's a real it's a good um, crowd movie to watch, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a party movie. It's, you know, a movie night movie. It's background night, like background noise at a game night kind of movie. Um, I got to see this at a special screening at the Draft House a couple of years ago uh, with a friend who had not seen it before. And uh, she went apeshit. She was like, this is awesome. And I was like, this is cool. I've never seen this on the big screen. It was a good time. Uh, yeah, this is uh, going to be fun. Um, Starship Troopers is based on the 1959 novel by Robert A. Heinlein was written as a more straightforward philosophical and moral critique of war, particularly the Cold War. The fascist-leaning military particularly drew criticism, and he was, uh, <laughs> people were like, are you a fascist, Bob? <laughs> um, the book's not a satire. It's, it's pretty straightforward. And everyone actually is Hispanic, uh, which is, you know, they're from Buenos Aires. It's not a bunch of white guys. <laughs> His name is Juan Rico, and Johnny is a nickname. I mean, that makes more sense. Um, I never even thought about it to watch. I was like, huh, yeah, they are in Buenos Aires. I always thought it was just some weird, like, because this takes place in such, like, an alternate, like, future America. I thought it was, like, just some weird thing that wasn't really talked about that a bunch of, you know, white Americans moved to Buenos Aires because that only makes sense to me. <laughs> you know, kind of like the film's, like, take on um, colonialism, colonialism. And I thought, well, maybe they're you know, maybe it could be for Hoven taking like a, a stab at that kind of put the fun of like, I'll need to expand and invade other places. So I was like, maybe that's what they're doing here. Well, I was reading in the trivia. There's a lot of backstory in this film that had to get cut for time. But the intention, I guess, is that in this future, which is supposed to be 2197, I think, um, North and South America combined into just America. So or I guess it was taken over by somebody. So in this like neo-fascist future, 
there's just America, which makes sense. I'm surprised that'll happen. (laughs) I don't know if it's in my lifetime, but that's going to happen. Hopefully I'm dead before that happens. Yeah, me too. Um, Not like randomly like old age. Let me preface with that. Let me emphasize that if you will, like old age. Yeah. We're not going to get killed in the purge. We're going to be long dead (laughs) before (laughs) the new world government, all that shit. It takes over. Um, when Starship Troopers was adapted to the big screen, uh, director Paul Verhoeven tried to read the book, uh, but couldn't make it past two chapters because it was making him, quote, bored and depressed. So he was like, I don't want to read this anymore. Uh, he had the screenwriter, Edward Numier, give him the gist as he was a big fan of the book and he was adapting it. And he's like, hey, you just tell me what I got to deal with here. <laughs> Loving that preparation. So that's now I'm, Showgirls is starting to make sense now. Okay, Verhoeven, it's all, it's all coming together now. I <laughs> wonder if he read the Total Recall short story or if he just, like, in the past, just like, fuck it, I don't need the, I don't need the details, give me the gist, I'll, ma- I'll give you an action movie. <laughs> uh, the, f- the film ended up being a satire of Heinlein's book, mocking his depictions of fascism and militarism, which is probably a good move. Uh, this isn't a movie that takes itself too seriously, which I think benefits, or the, uh, the film benefits from that. It's definitely mocking military extremism and fascism and war and delivering, a, I think, a pretty pointed satire. I didn't quite get it the first couple of times I watched it, but since then, I'm, I've, I've picked up on that. Yeah, it's one of those things that, like, I remember watching this kid. I didn't get it. I just thought it was, like, a lot of fun and funny, like, cool action, the bugs, all that stuff. As I'm going to, especially on this watching, now that I'm in the military, um, the satire really hits a lot more it's like oh okay i see what you're doing i see the jokes you're making and you know we're going with it and if he, to me like it really enriches the movie it makes me like it even more because now it's like i'm in on the joke if you like in a way like I, yeah. I finally get it now and it just to me makes scenes that i never really thought were funny or like that much more hilarious or like they know like all these soldiers dying and like the satire on that is actually really fucking funny one of my favorite bits of satire is when those infomercials that come up, come in from time to time that are like, you know, kind of like the government uh, weekly news. And there's one bit where they're like, a murderer was tried this this week, you know, uh, verdict at 11, execution at 12, like on all channels. Like, fuck. <laughs> and that's just, you know, the way of the world. Uh, I think those infomercials especially really hammer home the ridiculousness of this future. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like uh, I, I probably won't be able to read that book here. Cause I just feel like with what this story is like, you can't do it serious. Cause this is a ridiculous alternate future involving like the one, like a, a war that no one I think really saw coming <laughs> like bugs invading different planets. Like, okay. Um, so it's like, to me, you have to take it like funny and, I think Verhoeven was right in going a more satire uh, bent with it. So it, to me, it just makes it better and more easily digestible. I'm, I, I think that we started the war. I think mankind invaded their planet, trying to find another planet to conquer. Because if you notice, no one ever has like an oxygen mask or anything. They can breathe on this planet. So I think we invaded and they're fighting back. Oh, 100%. And to me, I, I really got that towards the end when they're like, we're going to test on the infomercial thing when they're like, we're going to test on it. 
they're just fucking jamming shit into this bug. And I'm like, yep, that, that tracks. <laughs> so we would do, all right, we got it. Let's fucking test it without any shits giving us to why it's attacking us. Yeah. We're going to go through the whole movie. This is that kind of, you know, like we've done in the past with like Casino Royale and like favorites of ours where we just kind of go through everything. We're going to do that today. Um, so Paul Verhoeven directed the film. We just talked about him last week on Beyond the Bad where we did Showgirls, which he also directed. Some of his other films include RoboCop, Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Hollow Man, and L, which I've heard is very disturbing. Um, he's, he's a very interesting director, kind of a like some all-time classics and some absolute train wrecks. It's, uh, there's no middle ground with Verhoeven. No, no. You see, you really like his movies or hate or really hate them. You know what I mean? Like, um, like I know the one we disagree on, uh, Total Recall. Because I know we both like this one. We both like RoboCop. We both hate Shogos. Total Recall. I know we disagree on, and even then, just in our disagreements, not like you think it's fine. I know you like despise the movie. Like you just you don't like it. Whereas I love it. So even there, right? It's just like complete two extremes on that movie alone. Where I'm all in on what's presented, you're like, yeah, no, I'm I'm good. I just find Total Recall very confusing and hard to grasp because of the constant, like, is he really there? Like, is he not there? It, like, is what's his real identity? Who's really screwing him oh, here? So you don't get it. That's what I'm hearing. Don't, don't you do that. <laughs> don't you. Don't you fucking do that. Yes. Oh, God. Don't be part of the problem. <laughs> I'm just saying, sounds like, you know, yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway, moving on. Casper uh, Van Dien stars as Johnny Rico, our white bread hero. He was also in Sleepy Hollow, Alita Battle Angel, a lot of shitty movies in between. I'm talking like sci-fi original feature movies. Like he, he's never really moved you know, beyond that. And he reprised his role as Johnny Rico in Starship Troopers 3 and Starship Troopers 5. So he is, uh, yeah, there's five of these. Didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, the first three are live action and then four and five are animated. Yeah. I haven't seen, have you seen any of the sequels? No, I've heard the animated ones are actually decent. Um, I've, I've heard, heard too. Yeah, for the two live action sequels, aren't that good. I've heard better things about three than two, but um, so apparently the ones that Casper Van Dien are in are like good. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't hear a lot of good things about the two live action sequels. I've heard pretty good things about both um animated films, so those I have been interested in seeing. Cool. Uh, I thought he was good in Sleepy Hollow as Brom, kind of the burly you know, linebacker dude who's just there to be, like, the hot guy besides Ichabod Crane's, like, creepy loner. I I, I liked him. I liked him in Sleepy Hollow. I, I liked him in this in Sleepy Hollow, and I, I thought he was not, like, a terrible actor. I just, I don't know what happened. I don't know if, like, like, Bridges, like, I, I don't know, because you would think with this movie and Sleepy Hollow, he would have had, like, a pretty damn good career ahead of him. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think it's him. I mean, from what I read and from what I've heard, like he's a decent guy. He loves Starship Troopers. He's embraced that. The the Honest Trailer, you know, the screen junkies, you watch those Honest Trailers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, have you seen the Starship Troopers one where he showed up? Yeah. (laughs) So I don't think it's him. No, and I think I watched the contrast that. I think like he reached out to them or they at like somehow like they got a hold of him. He was like, hell yeah, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, so yeah, this is kind of the movie he's most known for. I saw him in a couple episodes of Monk, but beyond that, he's just, he never took off. 
and I don't really know why. I, I don't know. I know. I think he's in the convention circuit a lot. So, you know, for those who like their conventions, like myself, and you have, want to meet Casper Van Dien, he, he does them all the time. I like you. I've heard he's pretty, like, very nice, upstanding guy. A lot of fans who met him have nothing but nice things to say about him. That's so, good. I love when we hear that. Mm. Um, Dina Meyer plays Dizzy Flores, Rico's friend turned lover. She played Detective Carey in the first four Saw films and was also in Star Trek Nemesis. Johnny Mnemonic, Piranha 3D, and the short-lived TV series Birds of Prey as Barbara Gordon. She would reprise her role as Dizzy in Starship Troopers 5. Um, she's fantastic in this. I, I have a massive crush on Tina Meyer. <laughs> she's awesome. She's really good in this. And it's funny because I had seen Saw, like, Saw films first, so like I knew her from Saw. I don't know when I first finally watched Starship Troopers. I'm like, hey, it's Jake from Saw. Because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Like my fucking teenage brain is an idiot and didn't think like, oh yeah, this came out first. So she was Dina Meyer was in Saul and not, oh hey, she's in Sasha Troopers too. Like that doesn't make sense. But uh <laughs> um yeah, no, she's really good in this. Um, like I said, uh I know we kind of talked about it before we recorded or I forget when, but uh I don't think I've ever witnessed a, a movie like a female character hit on our main character as hard as she does and you know what at least it's dina meyer because goddamn like i would have been very like happy i've been like okay i have two pretty awesome options here yeah i i hate how he treats it as like a problem like he's got you know he's got dina meyer lusting after him the whole movie but he's trying to hook up with denise richards and he's like oh what do i do I want to reach through the screen and just be like, you know, Vito Corleone and the Godfather. You can act like a man. Like, just <laughs> shake some sense into this guy. Yeah. It, <laughs> movies do that a lot, though. They'll, they'll give you, like, this really attractive chick, and the main character's like, what do I do? And I'm like, are you fucking shitting me? Like, it's really? Like, it's it'll be like Anne Hathaway, Mago Robbie levels of attraction, like, attractive levels. And you're just like, no, like, you go for it, dude. She's hitting on you. Like, why are you acting... Like this is such an ordeal. This is not real life. Like there, it's she's a very attractive woman. But I also like how in this world, like gender roles have all but disappeared. Like it's it's not a priority. Like we've moved past that as a society. That just men and women truly are equal in this world. I know. Yeah, in every possible way. You know, they shower together. They play football together. They hit on each other at equal you know levels. There's just it's just people. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a really cool thing to include. Yeah, I, I didn't even catch that until I watched it. This sounds like, oh shit, they, wow, can't come out Starship Troopers for not training them equally because, yeah, they're in the same boot camp divisions, which I saw when he's been through boot camp. You know, they're still, they still separate boys from um, doors. They are still separated divisions. They'll be integrated, but they won't be sleeping in the same place. Like, it's still very much like a separated thing. Um, so the fact that they were just very open about that year was like, oh, okay. And yeah, I look. I know we're making jokes about like how hard she hits on Casper Van Dien, but I kind of wish more women were like that. It's 2022. You want to be treated equal. So stop having the guys do all the work. Damn. Okay. Left turn. I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I don't, but yeah, I agree. <laughs> would be nice. Yeah. I'm not saying like, I look, I don't mind doing the work, but it would be nice to um, not try to figure things out and you just be like, yeah, I want to, Fuck you. Okay, sweet. There we go. <laughs> Cleared. Easy. Nice. Like, 
Come I think, on. Pe- I think people people just need to stop. You know, on both both gen like both sides of the coin here, need to stop playing games and just be upfront about what you want. That's the best thing you can be as a human being. Just be honest on day one. Be like, so are we gonna fuck or are we gonna fall in love? Like, what's gonna happen here? Like, you gotta have that conversation. Let's let's calm down. <laughs> you say fall in love, I get scared. I'm like, oh whoa whoa. But if you have that discussion, I mean, it'll still be weird, but maybe it'll be less weird down the road. I don't know. People suck. There's no solution here. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm proud of the film for being ahead of its time. And yeah, me too. Seven when it came out. Yeah, for sure. I also want to point out, like, the CGI really holds up. Like, the, the visual effects are very good in this film. I was surprised at that. Yeah, I think there was, like, maybe a few, like, fleeting moments when they had, like, a lot of the bugs on screen. And I was kind of like, eh. But, like, 99% of the movie, I was, like, really impressed by how much this, like, held up. Well, I think like Verhoeven used a great blend of CGI and practical effects that really kind of reinforced one another. And you don't see that a lot anymore. Uh, no, it's always one or the other. Yeah. No. It's crazy how Verhoeven can be so good at this and just royally fuck showgirls up so bad. Yeah. He can, he can give us bugs invading different planets, but not uh, the CD las vegas sex scene at all no and you'd think you know that being kind of a different planet in and of its own you'd think he'd be in a comfort zone yeah and also (laughs) these actors are better in this movie i want to point this out (laughs) yeah i mean they kind of they suck but they're better than showgirls so i'll say they're still better i mean (laughs) um next up is denise richards who plays carmen ibanez rico's girlfriend turned skilled pilot Richards played the Bond girl, Dr. Christmas Jones, in The World Is Not Enough, was also in Wild Things, Undercover Brother, Love Actually, Scary Movie 3, and Tammy and the T-Rex. Um, I, I own Tammy and the T-Rex now. I she's, um, I don't know what to say about Denise Richards, beyond that she's kind of the, the worst Bond girl. <laughs> that she, Her character exists only for that stupid-ass joke at the end of the movie. Wasn't her name like Holly Goodhead? I'm Christmas. Gonna... This was Christmas Jones. Christmas Jones. I was like, it was one. It was some stupid name. Yeah. What was that? You know, it was just so Bond can say, you know, I guess I was wrong. I thought Christmas only came once a year. Oh yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm look. Her her movie choices, minus Tammy and the T Rex, for me may not always be the best. Or in this case, Starship Troopers. But. Whereas you've had a crush on Nina Meyer for a long time. I've had a crush on her for a long time. I have been all in. I still think she looks amazing. Yeah, I, th- I think Charlie Sheen is an absolute fucking idiot. Because <laughs> he was married to that, and yet he was so banging hookers. I'm like, no, not, you're the idiot, dude. Because, dear God, you had Denise Richards. Yeah, I think she's unfortunately more known these days for being, like, his wife at the time. Which is unfortunate. Um, but yeah, yeah, like her career had an odd trajectory. She never really, all right, no, fuck it. I'll say it. She's not that good. <laughs> I mean, she's, she's all right. She was a very pretty face and she had, like I said, she had some good movies. Um, you know, she obviously had her boost with being a blonde girl and then she had this and now she gets, now she's getting more love for taming the T-Rex because, you know, it's been unearthed and the gore cut has come out and all that good stuff. Um, and yeah, it's just weird because you can tell like, 
she had like a real bright future because she was very much like the attractive girl that can put in all these films to get guys and you know guys in seats for sure and she just never really took off she got married to charlie sheen he was making like an amount of dough with his show at the time and i don't know what she does now yeah i don't know either i you see her pop up from time to time but that's kind of it I mean, um, she's on my instagram because i follow her mostly because i think she's hot but um and her character in Star Trek Troopers is kind of terrible. I mean, you know, the way she kind of you know emotionally manipulates Rico, falls and then like hooks up with the pilot guy. It's you're not really rooting for her. I mean, say what you want about Diz, she is constantly in in Rico's corner. I'm about to say Diz makes it very known what she wants and she doesn't waver. So I kind of commend her. <laughs> But even when Rico makes it clear like he's not interested, she's still his like super loyal friend and backs him up, which I love. Like she's a good person. Yeah. But I always thought she, a part of her new, like, I'll get this eventually. And she wasn't wrong. (laughs) That that pilot bitch is going to fuck this up. I know it. She's just, she's just waiting. (laughs) Yeah. She wasn't wrong. Even Mike Arnstein looked at him like, dude, go in that tent right now i love that when he's like come on you want some advice get on that yeah <laughs> come on i shouldn't have to tell you this rico yeah like, come on rico we're men here <laughs> i love when he just randomly like breaks out a keg <laughs> the oh, yeah. whole scene is so funny to me i love when he pops in the tent and as if he forgot who he told rico just to to fuck earlier he's like who's in here with you rico and she tells on he's like okay make it 20 <laughs> <laughs> Is he the best CEO fucking ever? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I love the response when they're like 20 and he looks at her, he's like, I can make that work. I'm like, yeah, you can. <laughs> you make that work. <laughs> Skip the full play. Go straight to it, buddy. Just fucking get to it. Four play has been going on for years, let's be honest. <laughs> Mostly by her. Yeah. she, <laughs> She's ready. Um. <laughs> She Next was up. lit before they got into the tent. Oh, my God. You like that? <laughs> Jesus. Um, Jake Busey plays Ace Levy, Rico's best friend. Uh, Jake is the son of character actor Gary Busey, and it's insanely clear. I mean, they look identical. The genes in that family are strong. Crazy. Yeah, but, I mean, Jake Busey, I, I like Jake Busey a lot, and he is so goddamn entertaining in this movie. <laughs> I think he's actually, honestly, like one of the best parts of this entire film in the cast. I stand by that statement. <laughs> oh, like Jake Busey is hilarious because he's he's kind of a fuck up, but also he's a good soldier. My one thing I wish at the end, you know, when um, Seth Gilliam uh, sacrifices himself, that should have been Jake Busey. It would have been much more powerful. Would have made more sense. It's just, you know, I don't know. I feel like that should have happened. That w- I would have been down to see that. Yeah. No. Like a boss. Not, uh, you know, Seth Gilliam, the preacher from Walking Dead. Well, he's just, I mean, Rico doesn't, I mean, yeah, he he's kind of cool with the guy, but they haven't been through the ringer together. They haven't been through, you know, boot camp. Like, they weren't as good of friends as him and Ace. If Ace sacrifices himself, all of a sudden it's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember that. I'm going to make this count, you know? Yeah, I get it. Uh, 
Jake Busey has appeared in the Netflix series Stranger Things, was also in The Frighteners, The Predator, Identity, Enemy of the State, Contact, Twister, and The Hitcher 2, I've Been Waiting. <laughs> I didn't know there was a sequel. Wow, okay. Yep, he's the, he's the Hitcher. Like, he's the bad guy. I you know that kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah, you look at that guy, you're like, yeah, I wouldn't pick him up. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's a good character actor. I um I saw him at a Comic Con. Uh, we were waiting out outside to get in, and he popped up in the crowd and was like, "Man, it's hot out here!" And everyone applauded, and like he walked past us to get into the building. And I was like, "Yeah, it's Ace. <laughs> it's cute." And yeah, I think he's cool. I think his dad's a fucking lunatic, but I think he's cool. Yeah, I like when his dad pops up on a Practical Jokers. <laughs> just and randomly right. throws the cup into whoever's face and it's like, what's, what's that Gary Busey? <laughs> yeah, well, and then what I love is when he starts going off and then like Joe and they're like, he's going off script. He's gone rogue. We don't have control anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I re- oh, that was great. Yeah, you, you hire Gary Busey, you're gonna get Gary Busey. He's you yeah. know like a, he's a bull constantly seeing red. There is no, uh, you can't control that. Yeah, and all because if it's to be believed, he suffered a horrendous head injury on his motorcycle. Yeah, that was I, that was huge. He um he was doing a movie. I don't remember what it was, but he's he was filming a scene that was supposed to take place in heaven, and he refused to film it because he said that he'd been to heaven, and heaven didn't look like that. So they had to redesign the set to his liking based on what he claimed heaven looked like. Jesus Christ. He was like, heaven has a different couch than that. The wallpaper should be different. Like he was full blown. Like I was there. Listen to me. Funny thing is there was another guy on set who had also had a near death experience and he claimed he went to heaven too. And Busey was wrong. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't know who to believe here. Maybe heaven is exactly like Supernatural said, and we all have our own interpretation of it. And if that's the case, there better be so much fucking movies and porn for me when I die. Oh, man. Dude, when I die, I feel like it's just going to be like a comfy room with a like a bed, a nice couch, and a TV that has like access to every film ever made, even the ones that are like lost to time. And I can just sit there and enjoy myself. Yeah. Oh, I better get access to new movies still. Like, they somehow get beamed up to heaven. Well, I said throughout time. That includes the future. Okay, good. I was like, yeah, I better get, like, shit that's coming out. Yeah. Oh, damn. I'm not saying I want to die right now, but I am curious. <laughs> I'm saying if that's what my heaven is, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, who's next? Neil Patrick Harris plays Carl, Rico's psychic friend. Harris became famous as a kid for his role in the TV series Doogie Howser, M.D., later starred in the sitcom How I Met Your Mother. He was also in the Harold and Kumar series, The Muppets, A Million Ways to Die in the West, and The Matrix Resurrections. Uh, And I read that uh, the uh, officers' uniforms in this film are intended to look kind of Nazi-esque. And when he put on his colonel uniform, they called him Doogie Himmler. That's that's beautiful. That makes sense. I can <laughs> I can see that. I can see that with their cots, uh, costumes, like especially his. It looks like the World War II uh, Nazi like officer uniforms. Yeah, big time. Um, personally, look, I actually really like NPH in this movie, but I I still stand that my favorite NPH role is his 
his his parts as himself in the heroin and Kumar films. Those are so fucking funny. Yeah, nothing's ever gonna beat that. It's so fun. I love that he did that to kind of escape this like Doogie Hauser mentality that everyone had him typecast as. He was like, I'm gonna be as raunchy and insane as possible so people can see me in a new light. And he went there. That was oh, funny yeah. as hell. I love when he's like stoned off his ass trying to talk to the cop and there's like a unicorn behind the cop coming up to the car. <laughs> he's just trying my, to keep it together. I think my favorite was in the third one when they start even making like poking fun at him being gay in real life. And the chick's like, I thought you were gay. And he's like, yeah, gay for that pussy. And she fucking kicks him in the face. <laughs> I love the implication that he's pretending to be gay so he can bang chicks. That's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, I love that he gets killed in the second one and then just like comes back in part three. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> no one gives a shit because you have to have NPH in these films. <sighs> way, way better role than the one that everyone fucking loves because I don't get the love for this show, but I did not like him in How I Met Your Mother, especially because to me, if you want to talk about characters that are problematic here, folks, and you want to pick and choose who's problematic, apparently, how did, how did he not get called out at all nowadays? He's a character. Like, they're not going to go after Neil Patrick Harris. He's a character. I know, but I'm just saying, like, his character, like, I am surprised of all the dumb shit people have called movies and TVs out for. Like, somehow his just creepy, womanizing, like, beyond sleazy, womanizing ways have not gotten touched in that show. I don't know. I never watched How I Met Your Mother. I'm beyond, like, Frasier. I really don't care for sitcoms with laugh tracks. I don't, I don't, I don't like, off, most of the time, they're not funny. Just wow. You just said you don't like how I met your mother. No, I yeah, but I still like some sitcoms with laugh tracks. Like what? Not all. I like Big Bang Theory. Holliston, you fucking heathen that you didn't actually really give a chance. I fucking despise the Big Bang Theory. I don't understand why anybody finds that funny. I thought it was funny. Good for you. Keep it to yourself. Yeah. Holliston was funny. Okay. But you didn't want to give it a chance because I did get. I, I did give it a chance. I watched one episode. That's what you do. And I was like, I don't like this. That is the chance. Because you didn't get it. Let's see. That's the problem. Fuck you a hundred times. You, you clearly needed to, you need to give it a second chance and actually get the horror references. Thank you. When it comes to sitcoms with laugh tracks, I like, uh, I like Frasier. I like Third Rock from the Sun. That's, I can deal with like cheers, but that's about it. What's wrong with you? I like to laugh on my own. I don't like being told where to la- when to laugh. You don't have to laugh when they laugh. Well, it's just not funny. It's only being told if you actually like build the. I don't think they're funny. To laugh. I don't think they're funny. I don't think the Big Bang Theory, How I Met Your Mother, Friends. I don't think they're funny. That seventy show, you fucking bastard. Okay, that all right. I forgot about that one. That one's funny. I'll give you this, that seventy show. But like in small doses, I can't have a marathon. Oh my god! Okay. We're not the same person, Caleb. We have different things. We have different likes and dislikes. You need to accept that. No, <laughs> no, I won't. Jesus Christ! I'm gonna hear about fucking Holliston for the rest of my life. Yeah, because you should have liked it. Damn it! Oh, I didn't like NPH in the Matrix. I don't know why they cast him as the bad guy. Uh, but then again, nothing else worked in that movie anyway. I'll say I don't really like he didn't bother me. I, I actually thought he was the only one that was trying in the whole movie. Um, or at least one of the few people that was trying in the whole movie. Um 
but it's just his character was weird. I didn't I I didn't really feel like his character was needed. True. Well, what do you think of him as the psychic friend in Starship Troopers? I can't, I like it. You know, it's it's a weird role. It's early in PH. So this is like I want to say like fresh off Doogie Hauser. Yeah. So like for a post like you know Doogie Hauser role, like I liked it. I thought you did fine. You could definitely tell that like yeah, there is like talent beyond you know that show for this guy i just think it's odd that there's even like psychic abilities in this movie but somehow it, it all comes together this movie introduces so much shit that just somehow all comes together unlike it's, showgirls yeah showgirls just you know came on its own ha. but <laughs> this movie is everything works it's i don't understand it like the terrible acting the psychic things, the bugs, the fascism, it all meshes together to make a very good movie. You yeah, never I think, think, like on their own, it all sounds like absolutely batshit crazy. But together, it's a classic. It's one of the best films of all time. I will, yeah, I'll stand by that. I actually, I put it in my notes. I was like, satire, gore, and action all work perfectly together. And then right below that, I put like, cast is amazing. So I'm like, they, and they, they do good what they're supposed to do for this movie. It's true. It's very true. Um, next up, Patrick Muldoon is Xander, the pilot douche who steals Carmen's heart. He was in the soap opera Days of Our Lives before landing the role in Starship Troopers, and then he went back to Days of Our Lives because uh, he didn't really get a boost from this. He was also in Melrose Place for about 35 episodes. He was in Stigmata, he produced the card counter and he was in a lot of movies I've never heard of. So if anybody didn't have a post-film career, it was him. Yeah. I, he's played such a douchebag in this movie. Like I fucking hate his character. So I'm... An absolute piece of shit from day one. All's fair in love and war. Fuck you. Yeah. Anytime a guy says that you, you better have some fucking, a strong relationship with your girl, guys. I'm going to say that right now. Because if you don't, that's the guy that's fucking, you're going to walk in on one day. I'm just saying. Well, he like manipulates the, uh, the law, like the flight log. So he ends up being her teacher. I mean, it's really like, it's a stalker move, but she, she finds it charming. Yeah. <sighs> I, they, they bang. It's implied they bang. It's heavily implied. They, they yeah. 100% bang. Um, but hey, you know, at least we get to see him get his brain sucked out. <laughs> Honestly, he is like to me for some reason like the most painful looking death to this day. He earned it. He earned that death. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I was so happy to see that happen. I was like, oh thank God. Did the fight when he like picks the fight? He's like, let's disregard rank. Like he really wants to kick Rico's ass in front of everybody. And then like, oh, he just he's the worst person. He really is. And Rico, I love how Rico constantly bests him every time. Like at the football game during that fight, like yeah. constantly went up some. No hard feelings, not at all. We won. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rico, the best. I'd follow you into hell, man. I would. I'd follow him. I'd I'd be terrified shitless because a lot of people die, but I follow him. Yeah, well, not on his watch. Like, well, except for that one time at the beginning, <laughs> but. Throughout the rest of the movie, when he's in charge, things go pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, finally, character actor Michael Ironside plays Lieutenant Ratchek, 
Rico's commanding officer and history teacher. <laughs> um, Ironside is a goddamn legend who has appeared in such films as Total Recall, Scanners, Top Gun, The Perfect Storm, and Nobody. He also voiced Darkseid on the Justice League cartoon, which is where I first heard of him. And he is a, I fucking love Michael Ironside. This guy brings a strength and brutality to like every role he's ever done. I just believe this guy has done it all. Yeah, I really, sorry. I really like Michael Ironside a lot. Um, Still, still a little worried about uh, his state of uh, weight, if you will. That's true. We saw, um, yeah, we saw nobody uh, last year and he is looking pretty unhealthy, uh, severely overweight. I really hope he gets his shit under control. Uh, at the frequency we're losing uh, celebrities these days, I don't want to have to report on Michael Ironside. Me neither. Um, but I've, I've always really liked this guy. And I know he did a lot of stuff at Verhoeven. Um, he was in this. He was, I want to say, Robocop and Total Recall, if I recall correctly. I don't remember Robocop. I will, I'm assuming, yeah, probably. Uh, but yeah, Total Recall, he's the bad guy. Okay, yeah, he is. I, I, I if I have to wait till March to get my 4K edition, but I'm almost positive he's in fucking RoboCop. I could be wrong. Don't well, quote me. Let's find out. Michael Ironside, RoboCop. Um, mm, nope. Not, not seeing it. Let me confirm that. Uh, 1987, 86. Looks like a big fat, like a bit fat. no. Either way, yeah. I, I've always really liked him. Um, I know he's also famous for being in the movie um, Scanners. I believe the one where he fucking blows a dude's head off. Scanners, I wanted to like that so bad. But oh. here's the thing. There is an unfinished script that never really got finished. So the movie doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, but his character is diabolical and super evil and really intriguing. Okay. I'll probably end up liking it. I usually like these types of films anyway. Yeah, I'm just saying I like these films usually more than you do. Yeah, fuck, fuck my thoughts, I guess. Okay, I'm just saying as our as history has proven, <laughs> who knows? I might be wrong. I might not like it, but we'll see. But <laughs> yeah, it's I like Criterion Collection, which I'll never understand because it's Cronenberg. Um, and most people like that movie. Like a lot of people like Scanners. Okay, uh, so I'm not here to please people. I'm here to know, just, give I'm my thoughts. Here. You're just, I'm just saying you're on an island. I'm just giving you the reason why it's in the Criterion Collection. <laughs> All right. You said your statement. I'm telling you why. I'm backing fine. up with facts. Fine. Fine. But, okay. uh, Michael, <laughs> Michael Aaron, so yeah, he's awesome. Um, I've always liked him. Is that the last one you're going to mention in this cast list? Um, yes. So we're not going to talk about Clancy Brown or. We've talked about Clancy Brown a lot. I didn't want to have to list out his whole thing. I figured he would just come up organically when we get to the boot camp scene. Okay, fair enough. Dean Norris, we're just organically also? Yeah. Okay, I'm just making sure. These are some big hitters. I want to make sure we talk. I have a plan. (laughs) I have a script. I'm not just winging this shit. (laughs) Um, I fucking love Ironside as uh, Darkseid in... um, to the Justice League cartoon. Uh, that that was a badass cartoon. His role, like he he really made Darkseid somebody to fear. And whenever I think of the character, his is the voice I think of. Uh, so yeah, he's just, and Starship Troopers is probably the film I think he's most identified with these days, except Scan- you know, maybe Scanners is in there too. 
Uh, for a lot of horror fans, I'd say Starship Troopers and Scanners. Yeah. But, like, um, you know, I only have one rule. Everyone fights. No one quits. You don't do your job, I'll shoot you. I do not love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love when he, like, he kills that one dude that's going to attack the boat. He's like, as soon as he does it, he has, like, his moment where you tell, like, he didn't like doing it. And he yeah. hands me, I expect anyone else to do the same for me. And just walks <laughs> off, and I'm like, all right. That's great foreshadowing, because, yeah, Rico puts one in his chest. Yeah. After he gets his legs ripped off. But I, I love that that's his whole thing. Like, Rico, you're you're sergeant now. He just keeps yeah. giving him battlefield uh, promotions. He just keeps that. fucking ranking him up. And, uh, it doesn't surprise me Ironside, uh, Ironside got, like, the role of voice Darkside because he has a very distinctive voice, in my opinion. Like, when you hear hear his voice, you know it's him. That's why I remember when I was watching Nobody and I heard his voice, I was, I was like, holy shit, that's Ironside? Because I had in my head what he was going to look like. So I'm so used to seeing him for years the same way. And then when I saw it, I was like, yeah. Oh, well, that's his voice. So that's that's Ironside. Oof. I um oh, what was I gonna say? In the flash, where um he played Captain Cold's dad. Remember that? Oh yeah. yeah. I remember that was a really cool episode because we got to kind of learn how Snart became an asshole. His dad's a crazy person. Like Ironside just brings, you know. A cool strength to every everything he's a part of. Yeah, he's he's one of those actors that he's really good at commanding the screen. Hell yeah! Um, Starship Troopers has an IMDb score of seven point two, Rotten Tomato score of sixty six percent. It grossed one hundred and twenty one million on a budget of one hundred and five million, so not a huge hit, regrettably. Uh, it was nominated for one Oscar for Best Visual Effects, which it lost to Titanic. Fuck you, James Cameron. <laughs> Fuck you. There were three films up for visual effects in 97. It was Starship Troopers, Titanic, and The Lost World. And Titanic took it. How, look, and that should have gone to here. This movie or fucking Lost World. Those, those are actual fucking visual effects. Fuck you, Titanic. Fuck you, James Cameron. I Look, I fucking despise Titanic because that, to me, is when James Cameron stopped caring about telling a riveting story with really awesome special effects and only cared about special effects. Because since then, we've gotten that. We've gotten the Avatar films, or we're supposed to be in the Avatar films, but I didn't really care that much for the first fucking Avatar. Like, I thought it was fine. It wasn't the greatest goddamn thing ever made. But, like, I just, I really hate, like, what became of him as a director with Titanic Onward, because I think everything for that is fucking gold. I mean, True Lies, Aliens, Terminator 1 and 2, like, he was crushing it pre-Titanic, and I feel like he just hasn't done anything since. Sorry, I I, I bottled this up with Cameron for a while, so sorry. Is he the only like mainstream director ever who's never had a flop? I think so. Terminator well, was it? Hmm? I don't know about stuff like The Abyss. And, I think uh, that was a hit. Let me let me look that up. Hit? The Abyss. I think that's his only the only film of his I haven't seen yet is The Abyss. Um. Yeah, $43 million budget, $90 million box office. Okay, he's always had hits. It just, yeah, sorry. I sorry, I, I, I felt this way for a long time about Cameron. I, just, I really hate what I feel like clearly changed when Titanic came out with him as a filmmaker. And it bugs me. People were like, yeah, but it's James Cameron. I'm like, okay. I was like, Titanic and Avatar aren't that great in films. I'll fucking say it. Like, Titanic did not need to be three hours long just for you to see one quick scene of tits. And then the boat, you know, crashing at the end. 
the movie is more than just a scene of tits and the boat sinking. It's about it's a romance movie. It's not supposed to be, you know. I don't know. I don't think it should have won eleven Oscars, but I do think it's a decent film. Yeah, but in relation to what Cameron gave us, well before that movie. Well, he's he was very open about why he made that movie. He wanted to explore the actual wreck. He didn't give a fuck about making Titanic. He just made that so he could finance an actual expedition to the wreck. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like since that movie onward, he doesn't really care about filmmaking. In my opinion, he just wants to push technology. And you're right. I just missed the Cameron that gave me really good stories, but also wanted to push technology forward. Well, I think me, that, that's when we get the best stuff. Well, I think the very fact that he's never had a flop has inflated his ego to the point where he thinks he can do whatever the hell he wants and there will be, you know, anybody will be behind it. So I think Avatar 2 needs to bomb so he can have a bit of a reality check. Yeah, something needs to bomb. And I'm scared it won't because, like I said, I'm apparently on an island because people are always, as soon as I say this, they're like, you can't say that about James Cameron. And I'm like, okay, but really think about, like, as a fan, what are your feelings pre and post Titanic? You tell me. Like, stop, put, like, take the fucking cloud off, take the glasses off, and really tell me. Um, <laughs> so it's like, it, people, there's a lot of people like that. And like I said, we saw with Avatar, it, th- the fact that that film is the highest grossing film of all time, a film that, like, and look, I get it. There's nothing original in Hollywood anymore. I understand that. I was like, but Avatar, I remember watching it going, I don't see why this is the number one highest score film of all time. Like, it's fine, but I have legit seen this story a thousand fucking times before. Like, it's literally Pocahontas, guys. Yeah. Well, <laughs> didn't expect to open up that can of worms, but here we are. Sorry, um, I'm in Titanic. I've been following that in for years. <laughs> James Cameron. Well, you know what? As, as shitty as, you know, Avatar is and Titanic's not for everybody, and how, you know, his whole dedication to kind of just revamping technology and not caring about story anymore. He's still the guy who gave us the first two Terminators and Aliens and True Lies. And those movies are fucking epic and we can keep oh, going. I'll still gladly watch his, like, yeah. pre-Titanic work any day. Like, I still love those films. I'm just saying, like, I just I wish we would still be getting that, Cameron. As yeah. opposed to, like, well, we got it and it's over. But I will definitely, like, I do still enjoy the films we did get when he cared about both. Fair enough. Um, it also, uh, Starship Troopers also spawned four sequels, which we'll talk about towards the end today. It is considered a cult classic. And I do love that it just has that one Oscar nomination. Cause like we could have done this on Oscar Sunday if we wanted to, but this is a film gasm movie. No, film-gasm movie. no offense, Austin. I do like <laughs> when you guys do like out there once sometimes, like I know like technically you guys could do, um, Jackass presents bad grandpa. Cause it has a fucking nomination. I know we could we could do that. We could do Austin Powers too. We like there's a whole bunch of weird one-off movies we could do on that show, but yeah, we gotta like we I like to think like where does every film really belong on our four shows here? Starship Troopers belongs here. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> don't like, don't get me wrong, it is funny like when you guys do something a little out, uh, different on Oscar Sunday. Because yeah. you know, like so the, there are those nominations, you're like, really that got nominated? Like, yeah, it did. Um, but like, I, I get it. Sometimes you guys are going to be like, this is a better show for this one. It's because exactly. we got like four shows anyway, or yeah. three because sync previews new stuff. So that one kind of doesn't really get pulled. Yeah. That show does its own thing out, out of, you know, against its will, like our will really. Um, but you know, we've got four sequels to talk about on beyond the bad at some point. So 
we'll, we'll be going into Starship Troopers forever. <laughs> yeah, it looks like I'll finally sit through these movies. Uh, so with that, let's discuss this movie. Um, this is going to be awesome. So we open with a, um, you know, in the 23rd century. I love that the, the font of the movie looks like a recruitment video. Like it starts out with, you know, a recruitment video straight up. I like join the infantry, it's, you know, service guarantees citizenship. I'm doing my part. Are you, you know, it starts out to let you know, like, this is the, the weirdo triumph of the will future everyone's living in now. Um, and that's cool. And also we get to see a, uh, the newsreel of the invasion of Clendathu, which is where the bugs are from. And we see Rico fucking bite it <laughs> before we know who he is. That is, that's ballsy. Yeah, I like how this like um, this opening kind of play. It, like, first off, to me, this film pretty much like it opens telling you exactly what you're in for. Like with those um, news clips, it's really playing into that satire on like on fascism and dictatorships, and to an extent, the military. So honestly, the military satire kind of run through here because again, like those are videos you would see in a very fascist type of country where they're trying to get people to do what they want them to do. Like that's what you would see in. I'm not trying to fucking get like into the weird like divide we're in nowadays with the country, but you could say it's kind of on point with how people feel about media nowadays in America. I'm not saying that that is what fucking media is doing in America. Please, no one come at me. I'm just saying it could be, you know, obviously very timely in today's um, political turmoil, if you will. Um, so I like how they do that, and I love how they open with that battle and give you a quick, before we really see the characters, a quick sense of the chaos and the type of battles we're getting in this film later on when we do actually get them, see them better. And yeah, like you said, they show Rico, and you're like, hey, there's our main character, and he fucking dies. Or he dies, or air crowed it. But so you're thinking like, well, wait, what the fuck? Like, is this how this film is going to end? Like... <laughs> It's neat. And um, if you've never seen this before, you're just thinking like, oh, this looks crazy. And then later on, you're like, wait a minute. I saw that before. That was Rico. You don't kind of know the first time you watch it. Uh, then we go to um, class where Rico's in high school, like 30 year old in high school. I love that they do that. We never actually see fucking high schoolers in high school. They're always in their like late 30s. That's why, look, uh, horror has been kind of, I've been liking some more recent horror uh projects have been coming out where they've actually been casting uh high schoolers or like uh chucky the first season of chucky they cast age appropriate middle schoolers like it was so fucking refreshing to see like the main character be like someone that i'm like yeah he's definitely in middle school especially because like part of the plot line for that show you know with don missing being um, a gay man um is exploring like coming ter to terms with your sexuality and your first like career love as a as a gay man so, like, the fact that they went age-appropriate and all that stuff really fucking was nice because it helps so that, like, romance he's trying to do, but also, like, oh, yeah, they are in middle school. I can see it. But, uh, so there is change happening, but, yeah, until then, it's just these constant movies of, like, they're in their 30s, but they're in high school. And, like, no, no fucking high schooler looked like Dina Meyer and Denise Richards when I went. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> uh... Through Ratchek's lecture, we learn about how democracy failed and the veterans took control of the government. And now we live in this idyllic future where only uh, citizens who uh, 
join up for the military, they're the only ones who are allowed to vote. And civilians are not given uh, certain freedoms that citizens are given. And I'm like, this is, they're glossing over a lot of heavy shit right now. <laughs> like, what is this world? Are these the well, good guys or what? <laughs> well, and again, this is why it's talking about, like, it's kind of weird to me how, like, relevant this film is now. Because, again, there's a lot of, like, super, like, crazy, like, hard right conspiracy theorists about a lot of what this film talks about. Yeah, I get it. I mean, if you look into the script of this thing, this is not a good world. This is, you know, Nazi Germany 100 years in the future. <laughs> yeah, but apparently everyone's happy with it. Apparently, yeah. I mean, I wonder who had to get thrown under the bus for this world to survive. You know they went after an ethnic group. They always do. Yeah, probably. Um, I also think it's interesting that every uh, adult in this film has a severe injury except for Rico's parents because oh, yeah. they're rich. They're civilians. Yeah. And they're very uh, opposed to him joining yeah. uh, the war, which I think is an interesting thing they, they keep doing. And again, yeah. you could probably read into that more about how like, yeah, the one rich, the rich parents don't want their kid doing that. Cause you know, the rich don't go fight wars. They say hiding in their mansions. Yep. And the only reason he wants to join up is because, you know, Carmen's joining up and he doesn't want to, leave her. That's the whole reason he's doing this. It's got nothing to do with citizenship. It's got nothing to do with being his own man. He just can't live without Carmen. He just really needs his Carmen. Yeah. I don't Even though Diz yeah. is hitting on him so goddamn hard. It's like, dude. Well, you... then she follows him for the same reasons. So, like, everyone kind of needs the, the infantry to kind of learn, like, who they are as a person. Which is which is good, you know. That's that's a typical military movie uh, trope. Yeah, well, and it's it's very reflective of how the military actually is. There's a lot of people who join to kind of figure themselves out more that may not have money for college, or they don't necessarily want to keep working hard in jobs until they finally get one they like. Right? Yeah, so they'll do the military to like find themselves. So it is like very reflective, not just of like obviously a very big time movie trope, but also like real life. One of my favorite scenes in that in that vein is the shower scene where they're all talking about why they're here. And <laughs> you hear shit like, I want to, you know, I want to have kids, but you can't get a license unless you serve. Like <laughs> you gotta have, you gotta get a license to have children in this world, which might not be a bad idea. I was like, honestly, I'm kind of after seeing idiocracy and whatnot. I think that's an okay thing. <laughs> Your hands off my junk. <laughs> that's one of my favorite at the beginning when they're talking about Cleavon and his like, endless stream of kids anyway yeah is that and then like one guy's a writer one guy just wants to see the galaxy like this is what you have to do to be somebody in this world is you have to join up and you have to give your life to fighting the alien menace if you're not going to give your life you're going to give an arm or, or a leg <laughs> yeah and i'll say that's that's what i like if that this film again kind of like going to like more of the military satire how every person who's been a veteran and you mentioned earlier has like they're missing a limb like Michael Ironside doesn't have his whole um hand you know he has to have a robotic hand when um they're signing up and telling that recruiter like what they're doing and um Rico's like oh I'm in mobile infantry and he's like ah mobile infantry made me the man I am today and he's missing a fucking whole you know arm and hand and then he rolls out and his whole fucking both his legs are gone so I I, I love how like there's like the film is not high just how fucking 
the fatality rate and the injury rate, if you will, for this is sky high. This is like, I would be with the rich parents. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Fuck off. Well, yeah, but if you don't do it, you don't, there's so much in society you don't get to be a part of and you're looked down on for not being a citizen. It's a very strange dynamic. Um, even their science teacher is like, she's blind. And um, I don't know if you noticed, but that's Rue McClanahan from the Golden Girls. No, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Blanche, I believe. Oh, the one that uh, I kind of had a crush on as a kid. That was the one I always thought was the hottest. Okay. Yep. I'm admitting it. I was into uh, Blanche as a kid. All right. Well, thank you for being a friend. Um, You're welcome. Don't, don't act like it's weird. <laughs> you, I didn't say nothing. You, you, you may. All right. I just think it's interesting that I, I've never noticed it was Marie McClanahan, but she is blind and talking about, you know, the arachnid is a much more evolved creature and Carmen's like, yeah, but we, we made spaceships. And she's like, well, yeah, but they're evolved millions of years past us. What are they capable of? And it's interesting. The movie goes there. Like that's not just throwaway dialogue. We really do learn that these things are intelligent. Yeah. Which then raised the question of like, did we bother them? Like what's going on here? Like it definitely brings up a lot more answers that, I'm sure the sequels probably try to explain, but because I haven't seen them, I don't know. So I'm just going with what this movie tells me. I don't think there's a great deal of uh, uh, continuity in this franchise. I mean, it's direct to video on all, you know, all four of them are direct to video and two of them are animated. I don't think this is going to be very tight. (laughs) No, it's probably not. Especially when you said Diz comes back in like five. I was like, didn't she die? She's a psychic projection because Rico's like trapped on Mars and he's getting delusional. And I guess Carl sends him uh Diz's ghost to lead him to water or some shit. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Nobody oh. said it was gonna make sense. Um so big party tonight after the football game where we meet Xander, who immediately starts hitting on Carmen, and Carmen hits like you know, is flirting with him in front of in front of Rico, and Rico's like, "Hey, dude, she's mine." And he's like, "Oh yeah, not for long." Like, ah, yeah. And that's why I was like, "Rico, she's openly hitting on this douchebag." Like, just get the one that wants you so badly. Because guess what? If she wants you that bad, she probably ain't going to cheat on you, dude. Like, I I can't express like if a woman look, guys, guys, a few. A few notches of them just being absolutely crazy. If they're hitting on you that hard, that means like you're getting a good chance to go get get yourself a faithful one there, and you don't have to ever worry about anything because she clearly just wants you. So you should you should go for it. Be cautious, make sure I'm not crazy, but go for it. That's yeah, good advice. Um, (laughs) So they win the football game, and uh, they go to the big party. Xander's at the fucking party too. Which is weird because I don't think he goes to their school. <laughs> I don't think that. I feel like he just wants to keep popping up because he's determined to take uh, Carmen. Yeah, it's it's a crazy level of uh, determination on this guy's part. Uh, kind of scary. Yeah, but Carmen finds it charming, as we said. Uh, Diz dances with Rico, and Rico's like, "Come on, girl, it's not going to happen. Let's just be friends." And he's she's like, "All right." I can wait. <laughs> All right. Every, every time she, he's just like, stop it. And she's, it's almost like she has like in her head, she's like, All right, hard to get. I'll wait a little bit longer. 
I just watched the Shawshank Redemption for Oscar Sunday. So I was just thinking of Boggs when you said hard to get. And I'm like, oh, that's not what I want to associate with this relationship. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, <laughs> we uh, It's implied that uh, Rico and Carmen uh, bang. So good for them. And um, we meet Carl. Well, we met Carl. But we see that he's a psychic in training. Okay. And he's trying to test Rico's like psychic ability and he convinces a ferret to go attack his mother. It's a weird scene that does have an odd sort of payoff towards the end of the movie. <laughs> I do like the thing. Everything makes, there's no loose ends. Even the weird shit does come back into play later. Yeah. I do think it's, I do like how um, when he does that, you can hear his mom yelling in like the background. <laughs> so there's a little payoff there and you're like, Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Rico enlists and his parents are like, you are going to Harvard and that is the end of this discussion. And he's like, it's my decision. He's like, oh yeah? It's a typical, you know, rich kid versus rich parents discussion. Uh, they mentioned Zegama Beach. You're not, you're not getting your trust fund now, mister. You are cut off. Ah. But you can see like, it's not anger in his dad's face, it's fear. It's like, I don't want him to die. And it's a great performance in, on his dad's part. Like you buy the fact, like he's really trying to hide the fact that he is so terrified that for his son's life. Yeah, because again, like you, you're seeing, you know, the you're either going to die or get a lose a limb, and the the percentage for that is high, as we see throughout the film. So it's like it's almost astonishing if you're one of those that gets through it unscathed, like yeah. Rico does somehow. Yeah, even after getting like his knee impaled and like healing in a tank, he's he's fine. Like, where's that tank for everybody else? Where's the flesh recreator on the guys who got their arms and legs cut off? No, nope, they just get cool metal arms. That's it. Some words. If I was one of the wounded guys and I saw some asshole getting treated in a tank, I'd be like, I want the tank treatment. What's going on over there? I'd fight for that shit. I'd be like, excuse me, sir. Take me to the tank. I want the tank. <laughs> be holding up my fucking severed arm. Like, nope. I have my arm right here. You can Take reattach it. I can see them building. They're cleaning his hole out over there. Give me, give me the same, please. I'm holding the arm, I can. I'll, I'll put it on myself. I'll, I'll attack. It'll hurt, but I'll do it. I just want you to put me in that tank. <laughs> you know what I think? I think the tank is reserved for officers, and because Ratchik found Rico, he pulled rank to get him in there. As someone who's in the military. I can truthfully say you're probably right and wouldn't surprise me. Do you consider this a war movie? I'm curious. Yes and no. Um, I think the film does have plenty of social satire in, in relation to war and the military and like um, Verhoeven's thoughts on it. But it does so much more than just that that I I feel like it's it's a war movie and more in a way. Okay. I agree. Um, boot camp. This so, is like one of my favorite sequences. Oh, it's, great. <laughs> it's great. And who who better to be our futuristic drill sergeant than Mr. Krabs himself, Clancy Brown? <laughs> Every time I hear his voice, I get happy. I'm like, oh, this movie just got a lot better. Oh, he's awesome. I I I know we're getting to it, but when he fucking like tells them like, who wants to not take me down? <laughs> And he breaks that dude's fucking arm. I'm like, Jesus Christ, even boot camp is dangerous. I love that he's constantly yelling, Medic! 
like for other people he maims. Yeah, which in case anyone's worried, for those who want to join the military, that doesn't happen to be Kim anymore. They're not allowed to touch you anymore. Oh yeah, it's kind of counterproductive to break your cadet's arms. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think we needed to be told that, but thank you. I'm saying, because they used to be like, what you saw in Full Metal Jacket, they used to be able to do, they could punch the shit out of you and everything. Um, does he punch anybody? Does, does Gunnery Sergeant Hartman actually like attack them at any point? No, he just maims them when uh, they ask a dumb question or he gives up the challenge anyway. Because yeah. I, I love the dude's response when he's like, when he asks him, like, is there anything wrong? He's like, sir, no, sir, but I think my arm is broken, sir. <laughs> that guy had some killer composure. I mean, hold on. I mean, that thing got snapped in half. <laughs> he fucked it up. Yeah, Jesus. You almost um, choked out fucking Diz. I was like, God damn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Diz takes a punch at him. Like she, like she gets closer to taking him down. And mm-hmm. she's only there because she wanted to follow Rico. She won't admit it, but that's why she's there. Um, and that's when we meet Ace, who tries to cut in line in, the, in, in Chow. And Rico's like, get the back of the line. He's like, I guess you and me could be friends. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone should have a friend like me. <laughs> I love it. I love how if you pay attention, you can see uh, Ken Lance in the background staring down. So you, you you can kind of tell that's why Ace calmed down because it's like if you keep this up, you're going to get fucked up by him. And you don't want to get fucked up by him. Well, I he's noticed that. Nice give, yeah, he's yeah. being nice and giving them a chance to work it out themselves. Well, Zim is constantly kind of keeping his eye on Rico. He sees potential in Rico. And that comes up a lot throughout. That's why like he you know, when he gets the lashes, he tells him to bite down. He's like, trust me, kid, I know. Like he sees a lot of himself in Rico, I bet. Mm. Yeah, uh, talk about like a scene that still kind of gets me because it's like this futuristic setting and they're lashing. Uh, I'm sure we'll get we'll get to why this what happens leads to the scene, but like it always takes me. I like how they got away with like doing a scene where like future, but they're still lashing military members or cadets that do something wrong. Fascism. You gotta when somebody fucks up, you gotta make an example out of them. That's what that's what happens in a fascist society. They're either disappeared or they're lashed. Yeah, it's fucked up, but mm, makes sense. And dad even said something earlier, like, I'd rather take 10 lashes in public square than see you ruin your life. So, like, this is a common practice, not just in the military, but apparently in just society. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Um, so Rico uh, wins the squad leader position after beating everybody in laser tag. And that's, that's an oversimplification, but that's always what I've seen it as. Uh, and then when he gets made squad leader, they make a, uh, he gets some, um, is that after uh, Carmen sends him the dear John letter? Yeah. Yeah. That's why his head's not in the game. Yeah. Cause he gets, to, I love in that dear John letter when like Ace and I'm like, you don't get a fine piece of that like that Rico like they're just giving him shit and then as it's clearly becoming a breakup thing you see the back going we need to get out of here I love that they're just like they start retreating yeah. <laughs> like oh god we need to give him space yeah that was great uh, <laughs> so with that in mind Rico's not you know not in the best headspace so when he gets put in charge of the squad when they have live ammo he gets a guy killed uh Breckenridge, the dude who got the arm that got his arm broken, he gets shot in the head by a live yeah, round. Because his something's up with his helmet and he doesn't get the oh Rico just goes ahead and takes it off so getting the okay 
which again, having been through boot camp stuff like that, I haven't done like that kind of boot camp. So I'm in the Navy. I don't have to do that. But there are like rules and standards when it comes to things like that. Because um, obviously you're you're talking about potentially taking away someone's life, which in this case it did. It took away someone's life. Because um, like as you see, like she gets hit with the laser, falls and fucking discharges her weapon on the fall because her finger was on the fucking trigger and it was right where he was sitting. Yep. And Rico, because he's in command, it's his fault. As Hopper in A Bug's Life once said, first rule of management, everything is your fault. So profound for a movie about funny bugs. Anyway, uh, (laughs) um, so Rico is now, you know, upset with himself, embarrassed. The cadet who shot the guy is immediately leaves and she's devastated for life. Uh, Takes that stroll down washout lane, as they say. Yeah. And uh, used to Dean Norris's character. Yeah, who's the guy who runs the boot camp. Dean Norris has played a cop or a soldier in fucking everything he has ever done. And he's so good at it. He's fantastic. I mean, you know, Breaking Bad, he plays, you know, uh, Agent Hank Schrader of the DEA. Epic character, probably the thing he's most known for these days. But he was, you know, he had a bit part in Lethal Weapon. Like he pops up in Terminator 2. I mean, he's he's all over the place. <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's a really good uh, char- like, bit character actor that just pops up. Yeah, you would love Breaking Bad for Dean Norris alone because he's constantly making like stupid, over the top, like sexist, racist jokes the whole time until he goes to like Juarez and then he becomes like shell shocked by the by the cartel and turns into a different character. It's like the development on that guy's fucking beautiful. Okay, I was about to say, are you saying I like him because of racist, sexist jokes? Is that what we're saying here? Well, he says shit like chicks got an ass like an onion makes me want to cry. Things like that. He's hilarious. That's kind, of funny. That's kind of funny. Yeah, he's funny as hell. But then after some shit goes down, he's like rep- suppressing all of his fear and anger and like acting all happy, go lucky on the outside. But then like has like outbursts of, you know, fear that gets in the way of his job. And then it's I don't want to say too much because it's a great arc, but watch Breaking Bad. I want to talk about it with you, man. It's a great show and you would love it. Probably would if I actually got around to watching it. <laughs> Uh, so they whip uh, Rico. Meanwhile, Carmen's learning how to fly a big old ship. And who's teaching her? Xander. <laughs> because he found out she was going to be here, so he tweaked the numbers a little so he could end up teaching her, which is really fucked up, probably against serious regulations, but nobody seems to care. Nope. The fucking creepiest of creeps, if there ever was a creep to creep. Yeah, and they're weird flirting. Like, should I call you sir? And he goes, only when I give you an order. Like, oh my God. Yeah, like, okay. Save what you guys want to do in the bedroom for the bedroom. Um, so after Rico gets whipped, he's like, I'm out of here. And Diz is like, You already took your lashes. Like, what you know, you you, you owned up to it. Don't leave. Like, you know, what's what's it worth? And he's like, Fuck it, I'm I don't belong here. And as he's leaving a bug asteroid destroys Buenos Aires. <laughs> Which I I like the lead up to that one because he gets that message from his parents. Yeah. And I love the ominous tone it takes as they're finally being like, you know, we're proud of you. And he's telling them like, hey, I didn't make it. And his dad's like, hey, it's fine. Just come home. It's all good. And you can tell there's like a weird moment of like, you know, it doesn't matter. We're just happier, you know, come back and you're alive, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then they make that that quick little what seems at first like a throwaway line. If you're not paying attention, they're like, "Huh, 
what's going on with the sky? Looks like it's going to rain. And if you're paying, you're like, oh, shit. Because you can kind of almost hear noises in the background of the video. If you really like, you got a good sound system going on, you can hear it. And you're like, oh, shit. And then, yep, as they're leaving, you can see that, yeah, they got swarmed. Buenos Aires got attacked. Well, I, I, love I, the, I love the video with that video. That, too. I love the way they, that Rico realizes it. As he's walking out of the building, all of a sudden, everybody starts running the other direction and he's like what the hell happened and then he follows them and it's you know Buenos Aires has been destroyed everyone's dead <laughs> what a fucking wake up call yeah <laughs> and I, I agree with this I'm like dude you admitted to it you got your lashings like don't give up like yeah I get it like that I can't imagine living with that especially in boot camp where everything's supposed to be safe and simulated and you know you don't face death until after um, but come on man don't, don't do it yeah, well, she tells him straight up, like, if you leave, you've only proven one thing, that you don't have what it takes. And it's a good point, you know? Like, at this point, what's there left to lose? Uh, and then he tells uh, Dean Norris straight up, like, I, I don't want to, you know, my whole family was there. I can't leave. Like, I need to do something. I love Clancy Brown just like, you know, is this your signature? Doesn't look like it to me. Just rips it up. <laughs> I, I love that whole scene. Like, when Dean Norris is just dead set, and um, like like no, you've signed your you know your page whatever. It's we have something like that in the military where you sign a thing and you get out. Yeah. Um, but you know you 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 sign your whatever you're done. Like you you did what you did and you that's your decision. You're done. And then like you know he said on it, but then yeah, when Rico tells him like my family was in Marino's areas, you see for a second in his eyes, like shit. Like oh, I didn't know that was the case. Um. And you can tell even he's saying, like, okay, maybe, yeah, we can. And then, yeah, that's when Clancy Brown comes in with his, is this your signature, Rico? Sir, yes, sir. Doesn't look like it's me. and just rips it up in front of him. Well, at first he looks at Dean Norris, and Norris just turns around. Like, I didn't see nothing. Yep. (laughs) Ah, Yeah, and it's like, great, carry on, Private. And he goes, I love that little conversation where Zim wants combat, but he's like, only way you're going to have combat is if you bust yourself down to Private. And then later on, he, he fucking did. Yeah, and he's the <laughs> one that actually helped save the day. I know. <laughs> ah, just every every little moment of this movie is important. It's God, that guy, uh, Ed something, um, uh, Numier. Great script, like well done, man. Um, so now that Buenos Aires has been attacked, all of a sudden, uh. Invasion is imminent. Earth is pissed. So they go to war. They go to Clendathu. They land and shit goes south fast. <laughs> Nobody was preparing for it. The bugs were way too uh, like organized than they thought, way more organized than they thought. Everyone, almost everyone dies. The casualty rate is like 90%. Yeah. Fucking Which crazy. Like, again, I wonder, I do wonder if that was like a nice little um satirical take on at the time like the idea of the military and sending people out especially in times like world war ii or the vietnam war um and just sending soldiers out and then they're dying the military doesn't care that does it you know if they do the quick little video be like oh we honor those who've fallen but all right let's get more soldiers in we gotta get more fucks and start replacing these people that we just lost and i wonder if that was like a nice little take on how we are 
in real life with the military, especially doing wars like this, where there is a high um, fatality rate and we have to keep supplying fresh bodies. It does feel like they are kind of mocking Vietnam more than anything else. I mean, you know, this is a war where uh, like Earth invaded, found, you know, retaliation. They didn't expect a more organized uh, war, like, you know, force than we ever thought. The uh, the propaganda, the um, the fatality rate, constantly sending more soldiers over there. It does feel like Nam is the one they're pointing at. Yeah. Uh, but I could be wrong. Could be a metaphor for the Gulf War. I don't know. I didn't write the script. I don't know. It just like it. It definitely makes you think of like, especially again, like you know, coming from like a more military mindset right now. Like the the takes he's he's the yeah the takes he's taken at the military and like some things that like just hold true. And yeah, the idea of like you know, especially during times of war when there's high fatality rates. Um, you know, look at D Day for God's sakes. Um, when people were just getting slaughtered on those beaches and the response is, all right, you know, we'll, we got to get more bodies now, do a draft, you know, get more bodies in through boot camp so we can start getting more soldiers out there. We get, still got a war to fight. It's not until like decades later that we start doing memorials and all this stuff and really honoring those been the moment where it's like, don't, doesn't matter. We got to get more fucking people out there. And you kind of feel like, you know, you see in the Starship Troopers, all these people die and it doesn't take a moment to breathe on it. It's just like, all right, here's a new set of soldiers. You get a little bit of it with, like, you know, Rico and Ace in them, and you see their feelings, obviously, because these are their brothers, and I like how it does that. Like, yeah, the rest of the world doesn't care, but you're seeing that, like, these were people. Like, they had friends, they had families, and now they're just gone. Yeah. Well, you know, this is – war is always um, – I mean, it's hell, and you see it through the eyes of the soldiers – uh, in films like this and Rico especially is our hero. So he's the guy who's kind of going through the life, you know, life changes with this movie. Um, prior to the attack on Clendathu, he does run into Carmen and Xander at the like spaceport or something. And uh, gets in that fight with Xander and it becomes a fight between the mobile infantry and the fleet. Yeah. Which is just awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I read in the trivia that when um, when Xander picks up Rico like by the belt and hurls him onto the table, he fucked up and smashed Casper Van Dien's head into the table the first time. And he was Ow. like, I know, he was like, oh my God, I'm so, so sorry. Like, he was so apologetic. He's like, I did not mean to do that. Like he was, he felt so horrible. <laughs> As he should have. I mean, he fucked up bad. <laughs> yeah, that could have really gone fucking south. Oh yeah. Oh but in that scene, like that's the end of Rico and Carmen's relationship. Like it, it gets killed right there. Uh, Cause he realizes like, Oh, you, you broke up with me for this son of a bitch. Yeah. Like, Oh, okay. So this guy, yeah. and you were thinking that moment, he'd be a lot more like, all right, Diz, let's, uh, let's take you up on all those numerous offers you've made. I mean, Jesus Christ. Like even like that shower scene when she just pops in there and starts like hitting on him. And I'm like, dear God, like, <laughs> Uh, instead, uh, Rico, Diz, Ace, and that fourth guy get matching tats. Which yeah, is cool. And that's cool. Except for what Ace does, even though I even I would have met Ace. I'm like, why did you just pour alcohol on me, you asshole? <laughs> that and we lose the fourth guy whose name escapes me. He gets killed on Clendathu. Yeah, yeah. He he gets the tattoo, and we're like, oh sweet, and then he dies. And they use, the military uses the deaths of Clendathu to kind of further mobilize and enrage the planet 
they, you know, they filmed them. They used the bodies as, you know, proof, like join up, you know, it's fucked, but yeah, that's, yeah. They use I, I, like, uh, I forgot to mention it, but I love how chaotic this first battle is. Like our first true battle in the film and it's pure chaos. Well, it showcases that like none of them were prepared for this. Like this is not anything like the training they, they were going through. This is like being dropped into the seventh circle of hell. Yeah, and you're just, I mean, you're seeing people that we kind of grew to love during the boot camps and stuff getting just eviscerated. Even the fucking uh, media dude, the reporter gets destroyed, which that was his fault. I remember watching it this time going, you had plenty of time to run. Yeah. <laughs> you, your camera guy, sorry. You guys could have gotten the fuck out of there. The camera guy films it. <laughs> yeah. He films the guy getting ripped in half. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing at that, but it's hard not to kind of funny um i remember like i was like that like and then like that one chick that watches the dude get just annihilated and she gets scared and runs off just to fall into the pit and get fucking oh decimated by those are dragged to the cave by the bugs i'm like it this film like this this scene alone does a great job of really showing the chaos of fucking battle oh my god yeah and what happens almost everybody's dead rico is accidentally reported dead which i thought was funny uh, Carmen thinks he's dead, so she's like, "Oh well, guess I better bang Xander now." Now I can sleep with him, and it'd be fine. I don't have to have those weird feelings anymore. Ugh. So now that Rico's alive, him and Diz and Ace are reassigned to a new unit, the Roughnecks. And uh, I love this when, like, Ace is like, "So I hear he's a real nutbuster," and that that one chick just knocks his ass down. <laughs> He's like, don't you talk about him like that, the, the lieutenant. And you're like, who is this guy? And it's fucking Ratchek. I love that. It's his teacher. <laughs> the first time I saw this, I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I was like, wasn't he just a teacher? But <laughs> I guess he re-enlisted. It's never really explained. He just pops up and you're like, okay, fuck yeah. He definitely he re-enlisted. Or they called him like, Ratchek, we need your services once again. <laughs> Put that fucking metal on back on you and get out there. <laughs> I got a um, I got a T-shirt for Christmas a couple of years ago that says Rico's Roughnecks. It's a badass shirt. It's a little faded; you can't really see it, but just it's a great shirt. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So they're in the Roughnecks now, and Rico's like, "Oh my god, my teacher." <laughs> uh, there's a new Sky Marshal now because the guy who organized the Klondathu attack was immediately impeached for incompetence, and it's like you got thousands of people killed. We're gonna go with a new plan. And this new person's like, we're going to clear out the planets around Klondathu and then go in for the kill, which makes more sense. Makes a lot more sense. Go for the things around the planet, take those out, and then when they only have one planet left and nowhere to go, destroy it. Yeah, you don't just invade the island of Japan. You go after Iwo Jima. You go after Wake Island. It's, you know, you, you, you work your way there. Oh. <laughs> oh. Anyway, get strategic points out of our things. That's why we got those other islands, you know, like Midway. We had Midway, but it was like, you know, a strategic airfield or things like that. Like, get your strategic points out and go in for the kill. Yeah. And on this planet, we learn uh, Ratchek's philosophy, which is, you know, everyone fights, no one quits. And when the, when the, sar- when the corporal gets uh, picked up by the bug and like flown, flown to the nest and Ratchek just blows the guy away, and he's like, I expect anyone here to do the same for me. That's 
that's fucking admirable. I mean, that's a hard call to make, but I mean, if the guy's going to be a, you know, die a horrible death, that's probably the best thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. These, these roughnecks, they don't fuck around. Um, they do not. I, I noticed I immediately, I'm like, fuck, these guys are a lot more hardcore than. You don't earn a squad nickname like the roughnecks if you're not absolute badasses. Yeah. <laughs> um, during their first uh, thing, their first mission with Rico, uh, Rico's immediately made acting sergeant. It's <laughs> just like, all right. And then he blows up one of those giant bugs that can like spurt lava, which was fucking crazy. <laughs> uh, blows that thing up with the, uh, took the dude's arm off. Yeah, like what a crazy like physiological feature that an animal can have that can spurt fire that can melt human flesh. <laughs> I, I I was like, that's why so many people have missing limbs. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, so Rico takes that thing down using football moves and a grenade, and uh, Ratchet makes him a corporal. Way to go, Rico. You're just advancing nonstop. Way to go, man. Not bad for a dude who was about to leave the military. Right. You really <laughs> lucked out on the roughnecks there, Rico. Oh. Uh, so after they take the island, or the island, take the planet, which is, did they really take the planet? I mean, they took this section of the planet. The whole planet got cleared off. I don't think so. Yeah, I like how, like, I know you're like, you kind of forget about when you're watching, but if you really think about it, you're like, they only got this part of the planet. Like, technically, they could still get fucking swollen unless they like have other units in different parts of the planet that are like, you know, taking care of business. And that's just their their sector, which would make sense. That's true. Um, if that's what they're doing, they did say that like fleet's gonna bomb the planets, and then mobile infantry mops up. So like that's the plan. So I'm sure it's yeah, it's the roughnecks, and then many other units across the planet. Probably. Yeah. That makes sense. And you do see the point where, like, you do get that shot when the planes are coming through and they are bombing the planet, just fucking, like, so it's like, okay, yeah. Yeah. And then to celebrate, Ratchet's like, I expect the best, and I give the best. He's like, here's the beer. And everyone cheers. That always makes me laugh. <laughs> oh, and he's got, like, a, a box of, like, footballs and violins. <laughs> yeah. And here's the fun. Have fun. That's an order. <laughs> He starts playing Dixie on an electric violin. <laughs> and this is the scene we keep talking about where it is again plays on like the 150th fucking hardcore just like I swear like she is just shy of like taking down her pants being like just take it Rico <laughs> to him like Jesus. And again he fucking passes it up. He pulls the whole like do I have to pull a ring? And I'm like okay now you're being a douchebag. I mean she totally wants him like I mean, he should want her to pull rank. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's so obvious that like even Ratchet has to come over and be like, Rico, come on, man. Like, are you are you blind or are you stupid? <laughs> <laughs> I like how even Ratchet's like, all right, look, the other chick dumped you, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? You once asked me some, for some advice. Like, you want some now? <laughs> <laughs> Do I really need? You're out of high school. Should I really be? And that's another thing. I'm like, how are you? Or how are you like a kid out of high school? Because I know, like, if I was in high school. I'd be on that so fast. So even now, I'd be on that so quick. If you're hitting on me that hard, yeah, it's. I just I don't buy for a second that any of these guys are right, fresh out of high school. Oh no, not at all. Oh. Now, 
Battle and Crested Soldiers, absolutely. But fresh out of high school, no. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, I do like when they're they he finally you know takes it to the tent. They're doing it, and then uh, Ratchet's like, "Hey, we got a we had a meeting in like ten, so I, I need you right out there." Who's under the covers? And then she 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 shows her face, and he's like, "Make it 20 I'm like, "That's a fucking G right there." That's what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, they're like, "We, we can do it," and they start stripping <laughs> quick. Oh yeah, um, just skip the full play. You got it. You're good. My favorite moment in this whole scene is when they're dancing, and Ace is right up in their <laughs> faces playing the playing the violin. Like he's been <laughs> waiting for this to happen for so long now. I thought Ace has been there for so many of Rico's like lows and highs. Like he was there when he got the Dear John video, and you can see him being the one to be like, "Okay, guys, get back. This is not a time right now." <laughs> he even gives him some advice, like you know, you made squad leader on your own. Like you're a good soldier. Like he's there to to give him a, a boost. <laughs> yeah, and then like even now he's just like, "Oh my god, finally he! Oh yeah, I get, I get the violin. I'm ready. Let's go. Let me let me serenade you two little birds." <laughs> <laughs> So the next day, they embark on their next uh, voyage to Planet P, where they're going to check out an outpost that apparently has been devastated by the bugs. That's when the colonel, or the, uh, not colonel, the corporal gets killed, and um, or the sergeant gets killed, and uh, Ratchik's like, hey, Rico, you're sergeant now. <laughs> Just like, all right. They get to the, to the fort. They find a guy whose brain was sucked out by a bug, which is super creepy pretty it's pretty gnarly scene like they they show it and like how like he just scoops his metal fucking fingers in there i'm like oh god and then his very stoic delivery they sucked his brains out (laughs) i'm creeped um and they find the general hidden in the in the closet and he's completely irrational and insane He's like, we're all going to die. And Ratchet slaps him. He's like, get hold of yourself, sir. <laughs> that always makes me laugh. Yeah, I love how Ratchet, like, he is, I think, at lower ranks than him. Yeah, because he keeps calling him sir. He's a lieutenant. Yeah. And he's just like, get a hold of yourself, man. God damn it. And it's revealed that the bugs set a trap. They made the guy whose brains they sucked out call for help to trap all these soldiers there, and the bugs were swarming the place. And that's your first sign of like serious intelligence with these things. Yeah. Mm. Which again, this is another like highlight sequence for me. I really like like this battle sequence as well. Um, a lot of people die again. Oh, this is crazy. I mean, the amount of you know bugs that swarm the the base, uh, it's crazy. And then like all the flying bugs decapitate those guys, and then one of them just rams into the general and ace laughs at it. Yeah. <laughs> No one gives a shake, so I'm kind of tired of that general. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so in this fight, um, after Rico manages to call for help, uh, the flight guy or the fleet dude shows up. I'm like, oh, fucking Xander. <laughs> I'm like, is he going to leave Rico here? Like, what's going to happen? But no, he's actually a pretty stand-up soldier. And I think in that moment, he realizes exactly what the infantry is up against. Yeah. In that moment, he's like, I, I think, like, it's – I guarantee he's so a douchebag, but it's uh, – doing the right thing in the call of action like yeah i may hate this guy but i can't leave anyone behind that's that's the wrong thing to do well he has this look of like i didn't realize what these guys were fighting because they don't see this stuff you know fleet they're not on the front lines and he tells carmen like hey he's alive and he's back there 
Like he didn't have to do that. Yeah. Uh, so unfortunately in this scene, we do lose Diz and Ratchik. Yeah. They fucking, uh, yeah. Ratchik gets pulled out from under and gets his like legs. Like, Oh, actually his whole little half just taken off. Yeah. What a crazy scene though, where he just, the, the floor opens up and he's just writhing in the sand. You're like, what the fuck's happening to him? <laughs> just, yeah. And Rico puts one in his chest. Oh, and then that, yeah, good. <laughs> I was like, and then yeah, Diz fucking, she's on the way back. She's going to make it, and that fucking bug comes out of nowhere and stabs the fuck out of her. Well, I read that um, Rico is probably the one who killed her by taking the claw out of her chest. Like she, sh- he shouldn't have done that. He should have kept that in. It was plugging up the blood by pulling that out. She was bleeding out fast. Uh, probably that's usually the case. They talk about it with a lot of cases like that where like people have been like stabbed sometimes. Like depending on when they get stabbed, you actually want to keep it in. You don't want to pull it out because yeah. then like the blood that's staying in there fucking starts coming out, and that's how they die. Um, all the cases of you know back when Steve Irwin passed, a lot of people were saying that like had he kept it in and swam up, he probably would have been fine. Could have gotten medical attention and been a okay. But obviously like. You know, it's easy to say, but in the day you panic when this shit happens. Like, you yeah. does my heart train your art, does my what you do, you're go, a part of your paintings, and you just kind of go running by instinct. So it makes sense that, yeah, I'll, it should probably would have loved had it stayed in, but instinctually he thought, I gotta get that shit out and just pulled without probably thinking about it. That looks so painful. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so yeah, next scene is Diz's funeral, and uh, it's emotional. Like, you've gotten to like her. and. Rico, especially like you, you can. I think that's his best performance in the movie is Diz's funeral. Yeah, especially because she finally, he fi- we finally did what she was fucking hitting on him for the whole movie. And I'm like, there you go, finally, Rico, Jesus Christ! And yep. then she dies. She got that Casper Van D, and now she's gone. <laughs> ah. <God> damn it. <laughs> she she had one thing she wanted in life, and she got it. I think she was ready. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's when they meet Carl who's like hey I'm military intelligence now and you're going back to this planet because we got to capture a brain bug if they exist and he's like also hey the roughnecks need a lieutenant you want you want to be you want the job you want uh, Rico you want another promotion <laughs> well, that's what we do we just quickly promote <laughs> I wonder if Seth Gilliam was a little offended like because hadn't he been with the roughnecks for quite some time like yeah he was probably like should have been him yeah he was one of those like long-standing members, like how I was towards the end of my time on uh, my boat in my division. Where I was like one of the like longest guys in that division. And so yeah, I can I can understand what he would have been like. That should have been mine. <laughs> I would have been saying I'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Ah, so now that Rico is in charge of the Roughnecks, Rico's Roughnecks. Whoo, um, they <laughs> they're going after the Brain Bug. And while they're going after the brain bug, Carmen's ship is destroyed. And she and Xander get an escape pod and end up deep underground on the, on the bug planet. And that's, uh, that's, not a good, that's not a good thing. And uh, Carl apparently manages to psychically send Rico Carmen's location. I don't know how he knew that. Uh, maybe this Carmen told him psychically. I don't know. This is NPH, dude. He knows everything. <laughs> And uh, Carmen and Xander are taken captive by the bugs. 
Carmen gets a giant gaping shoulder wound that doesn't seem to bother her for the rest of the movie. That's always kind of bugged me. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like when people get shot in the shoulder, but they act like it's not that big of a deal. And I've heard like if you get shot in the shoulder, it's actually a huge deal. A uh, huge deal. She's got a shoulder, like a shoulder wound, like as thick as like a pipe. <laughs> like there's a hole you could see through it. And she's just like holding a gun, climbing up shit. No. <laughs> well, your arm would be out of commission. Yeah. Uh, they meet the brain bug and Xander gets one last little, you know, fuck you in until that thing sucks his brains out pretty aggressively. Yeah. Like I said, this, this part looks super painful. I don't know why it's always looked really painful. I just remember thinking like, I don't want that to happen to me ever. No, but if it was going to happen to anybody, I'm glad it was him. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Horrific. And then Carmen cuts off that thing's proboscis or whatever that word is. And uh, cut off the thing it used to suck brains with. There you go. I tried to be smart. Didn't work. No. Uh, both yeah, have this education. So. <laughs> and this thing's just like ah. And then Rico shows up with a nuke and is like, "You know what this means, right?" And saves Carmen. Uh, Seth Gilliam, whose name escapes me, blows up the bug. Supposedly blows up all those bugs. They get away, and it's revealed that. They captured the brain. Zim got busted down to private. He saved the day. And uh, he Rico gets to keep being lieutenant. And he keeps taking on Ratchek's lines. You know, come on, you apes. You want to live forever. Things like that. Yeah. Uh, which is good. Carrying on the spirit of Ratchek. And the Roughnecks. Damn right. It's a good thing they got another guy to lead the Roughnecks with an R, or else it wouldn't have sounded as cool. <laughs> Especially name like Johnny Rico. Oh my god. Johnny's roughnecks sounds like a male stripper bar. Rico's roughneck sounds like some assholes you wouldn't want to fuck with. I mean, is anyone really opposed to either? <laughs> uh no. So that's the end of the movie. Uh boom. Starship Troopers. It's awesome. Well, I can't say boom. That's another oh. boom. Boom. In honor of John Madden. Boom. But, uh, I was reading, apparently, they were talking about like some original plans for the like first Assassin's Creed game. One of which was like they were going to have it in like, well, not first, but like I think on three or something, it was going to end with them going on a spaceship and colonizing other planets. And the way the guy was describing it, he's like, boom, it's a spaceship. Like that's what he said. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> I described it like that. Quick side note. I think those games would be so much better if they hadn't included the animus and like crazy current storyline. If it had just been assassins throughout history, it would have been a much cooler I story. Think if they had a better handle on what they wanted that present day storyline would be, it would be fine. I think that's what kills it, is that they didn't know what to do with it. And if that was the case, yes, like you said, just focus on the fucking Well, like when I'm playing the time. When I'm playing the game and I'm like, you know, assassinating Borgias in the Renaissance and all of a sudden now I got to walk around and like do computer missions. I'm like, I'm taken out. I'm like, fuck, let's get this over with. I want to go back to the to the cool shit. That's why I bought the game. Do you play the cool shit? (laughs) Um, Here's what you got. (laughs) Here are some film guys and facts. Number one. Director Paul Verhoeven and stars Dina Meyer and Casper Van Dien confirmed that Verhoeven and cinematographer Jost Vacano shot the co-ed shower scene in the nude themselves on a dare from Meyer. 
Uh, on the day of the shoot, Verhoeven had asked the cast to do a little fashion show without fashion so that they could get comfortable being naked, which is a little weird saying, hey, actors, I want you to dance around for me. It's basically what he said. With no clothes on. Um, when the cast was reluctant so far, to disrupt... Like, hmm? Sorry, but so far the pieces for Showgirls just keep coming together better and better. No, he had no problem asking for that on Showgirls. I guess Starship Troopers, he got a little pushback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, when the cast was reluctant to disrobe, Verhoeven asked them what the big deal was, to which Meyer responded, Paul, if it's no big deal, why don't you do it? Quite unexpectedly, Verhoeven dropped Trowell, as well as Volcano, who had, who had been raised in a nudity camp. After an initial shock, Van Dien reportedly yelled, oh God, Dina, why? And a good laugh from the cast, the scene was filmed without problems. <laughs> Want to film a nude scene with comfortable actors? Strip. I'd love to just hear that video of Casper Van Dien just going, oh, God, Dina, why would you do this to us? Why, God? Robert Davies on the side with the extras being like, finally, now I'm getting my blowjob. <laughs> Beyond the bad callback, check out our new show. <laughs> God damn it. As, I'm going to keep that going. That was the funniest shit. Um, number two, James Marsden, Keanu Reeves, Mark Wahlberg, Josh Brolin, and Jason Priestley were considered for the role of Johnny Rico. Who the hell is Jason Priestley? Do you know who Jason Priestley is? I, I do not. Wow, dude. Wow. How would you explain instead of basking? He's <laughs> been in some stuff I've seen. He's not like and an, oh my god it's jason Priestley type of like acting but he's popped up in like shows here and there i've watched what i i might recognize him like by his face but not his name i want to say he was in haven for like a couple of seasons when i was watching that nope okay um jason Priestley. oh 90210 no wonder i don't know who the fuck this guy is. yeah how dare you <laughs> nope i don't recognize this guy at all i've never seen any of his stuff Oh, okay. Well, I recognize Jason Priestley. Good for um, you. Your, your medal's in the mail. It better be. You piece of shit. <laughs> I think of those guys, I think James Marsden probably would have been second best. He would have been good. I would be curious on Keanu Reeves. I would. Because this is young Keanu Reeves, not like, you know, constant John Wick beard and hair. This is Keanu Reeves. This is devil's advocate. Keanu, that because that was the same year. Okay, then yeah, I would be interested in that then. Also, Nev Campbell and Rebecca Gayhart were considered for the part of Carmen, but they were both busy doing Scream too, so they had to turn it down. I would have been down for that. I've always had a thing for Nev Campbell thanks to the Scream movies, so I've announced there as Carmen. Funny how she and Denise Richards would then do Wild Things. I really need to watch Wild Things now. Dear God. Yeah, they're both like super naked making out. Have you not seen this movie? I just haven't seen this movie, but I'm going to watch it now. It's like made for you. I was like, Nev Campbell, Denise Richards, naked? Make it? Oh my God. Yeah, this is a movie that they clearly had me in mind. <laughs> I just picturing on the set while they're filming that scene, like one day, some 29 year old movie geek perv is going to love this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck you on the perv, but yeah. Oh my god, it's on Netflix for free? Yes. Um, and number three, 
in the backstory of Jean Ratchik, which is his first name, um, Ratchik lost his left arm, which had been grabbed by a warrior bug, which tried to drag him out of the shuttle during a mission to Clendathu. Knowing he had no other option to save himself, Ratchik had the shuttle door closed, slicing off his arm, but allowing the shuttle to escape. He then retired from the mobile infantry and became a teacher of history and moral philosophy in Buenos Aires. So not only did he lose the arm, he lost it being a goddamn hero. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Awesome. Good for him. <laughs> I have a Funko Pop of Ratchik with the metal arm and the, yeah, We've got a Rico as well. I like it. Um, so let's talk about the sequels. The first sequel was 2004's Starship Troopers 2, Hero of the Federation. A group of troopers take refuge in an abandoned outpost, realize they're in serious danger. Direct to video, biggest name it had attached to it was Billy Brown, uh, character actor. You might remember him as uh, August Marks in the final two seasons of Sons of Anarchy. Uh, so, did not do well. No, I don't think any of these sequels did well. They, they did not. Um, then there was 2008's Starship Troopers 3 Marauder, which sees Johnny Rico, now a colonel, called into action to fight the bug menace once again. And of them, this is the one I think I'd like to see because it's, you know, it's Rico. Yeah, like I said, I've noticed the ones that have Rico back, like with Casper Van Dien came back, tend to be better love, which kind of tells you, like, Casper Van Dien's, like, ties to this franchise and obviously the fans that really want him when it comes to Starship Troopers. So kind of tells you that like, you really can't do this unless he's attached in a way. Yeah. The next two are animated. It's 2012's Starship Troopers Invasion. Uh, this one follows Captain Carmen Ibanez, who teams with a famous trooper to find a missing ship. And no, Denise Richard did not come back. Uh, of course. And finally, 2017's Starship Troopers, Traitor of Mars. This one sees Johnny Rico stranded on Mars and demoted and attempting to fight off a bug invasion. Uh, Caster Van Dien is back. This one's on Netflix, so you can check this one out if you want to. Uh, I might. Yeah, I mean, I might. I'll probably get to these sequels over time, especially with Beyond the Bad anyway. So <laughs> True. I give Starship Troopers a 10. It's a masterpiece of satire and a badass sci-fi film. I love this movie. Yeah, I have it on the, on the website, but I might honestly bump this up to 10. This is just a really good movie that I never get tired of watching. It, so, like, it's only two minutes short as the show goes, right? I remember checking the time a lot. Whereas yeah. this film, never. It always flies by for me. Yep, pacing is perfect. The story's engaging. The characters are likable and memorable. The action is epic. The gore is a lot. <laughs> it's it's everything. Um, so yeah, we both love this movie. Yeah, love it. I, I will be watching it and showing any anyone that hasn't seen it will definitely be having you viewing with me one day. Hell yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Filmgasm Productions. You can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com if you want to suggest films for us, give us some feedback, whatever you want. And of course, you can always check out the website, filmgasm.com, where we've got reviews, articles, trailers, every episode of the show, all over the map. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can click on support this podcast on your podcast provider. We appreciate anything you want to give us. Next week, the cycle continues with Caleb's pick, the 1995 horror flick Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. 
a film spinoff of the popular anthology TV series. A demon called the Collector is hunting down a drifter who has been in possession of a powerful artifact. That is the only synopsis I could find without digging deep into the plot, which I don't want to do yet because I have not seen this yet. Yeah, you're in for a really fun wild ride. Billy Zane, like, this is the film that made me fall in love with him so much. He is just so deliciously over the top as, like, the demon hunting these people down. And it, it he is mesmerizing to watch. The rest of the cast is just as good. There's I mean, Willem Sadler's in this movie. Um, Jada Pinkett Smith in a very early role for her. Like, a lot of names that you know now are in this movie. And it's just, it's fun. It's over the top. It's gory. Um, it's everything you would want from a Tales from the Crypt show in a movie. And it, it does kind of bum me out that, like, Fidelio Blood, which was followed up after this, flopped so hard because I would have been down to see, like, more of films like this. But, or, you know, now that, you know, in uh, or if the rights issues would fucking clear what Tarot tells from the Crypt, we could get, like, you know, a new show or some more movies. But it's, if you thought the Fire 13 shit was crazy, Try looking up all the shit going on with Tulsa and the Crypt. It's fucking, it's a, such a tangled web. Um, well, I'm sure we'll dig into all that next week for sure. Yeah, this this movie is great. I've loved it for a long time. Cannot wait to do it. Nice. Don't miss the Dukes of Hazard on Friday's Beyond the Bad, the Treasure of the Sierra Madre on Oscar Sunday, and a look at our least anticipated films of the year on Monday's sneak preview. Until then, service guarantees citizenship. Exercise your right as a citizen and join the mobile infantry to fight the bug menace. Everyone fights, no one quits, and keep watching movies.